everyone. Welcome to This Is Whole Life. This is a re-record. This is a restart. This is a, hey, Randy, you didn't press record type of moment. It happens every now and again, so we can't say too bad, too much too bad because it'll happen. But this week I am super excited, and that's probably why this whole thing went awry because I got a special guest in the studio, and I'm a little bit nervous because when I'm around him, I don't feel like even the third smartest person in the room when there's only three of us. It's John Monday. Wow, that's uh, I don't d- duh. That's a better <laughs> intro than Does that. Sound smart enough? <laughs> that's not what I said in the the first. I gave him this really cool introduction. It was really good. Yeah, I got to say, I wish the, you could yeah. have heard it. The yeah. first three minutes were pure gold. It was, yeah. it was amazing. It was really golden. But that ship has sailed, so we're gonna move on. And um, so anyway, I wanted to start out with. I just wanted to mention that I've never been wrong. I thought I was once, but I was wrong. And then John gave out, came back and said, you don't say wrong, it's mistaken. Well, yeah, that was my, it was what my dad used to say is that he thought he was wrong once, but it turned out he was mistaken. <laughs> and it's so much better because then you don't even have to use the other word. And I can't even say that that's mine. That was uh, one of the first guys I ever worked with. That was his thing all the time because whenever something was wrong, of course, it was never his fault because he was the boss and that's just the way life was. So if you missed the reference for that, go ahead and check out the message. It is already, as you're listening, on our sister podcast here at Whole Life Church called Speaking of Grace, where the message ends up every single week, along with the questions from the Q&A. And you don't want to miss this past weekend. I mean, we talked about being right, being wrong. We talked about it being messy in the middle. We talked about Telly Savalas, Terry Savalas, and Tony Savalas, possible cousins. I'm not really sure. But, John, what was the inspiration or how did this message come about? Because it seems like we were just in a totally different tangent, and then it was like, boom, we're messy in the middle. Is this just a good reminder? Well, let, uh, I want to tell you the story. How's that? Tell me the story. Uh, Ken, um, actually Ken didn't, Tammy Sinkamani asked me if I would be interested in preaching, and I said, sure, I, I would. Ken, thank you for allowing me your pulpit. It is a, it, it truly is a privilege to to get to preach at Whole Life Church. So when Tammy asked me that, I said, well, Tammy, what's the series that we're in? And she says, well, Ken says it's just a standalone. It's in between two oh, series. Okay. So you can preach on whatever you want. And so I thought back to one of our initial interviews with Ken when he was talking about his preaching style, and he said, I hate standalone sermons. I can't stand to have a sermon that's not a part of a series. I gave it to John. So I was like, this is a test. Isn't Uh-oh. It? Uh-oh. But long story short, I, I started toying with the idea of how we might have a bridge message between great questions and the upcoming series on love and I think it came, at least in my mind, the the point of it came together well. You nailed it. You nailed it. It was perfect. Yeah. It was a perfect transition between the two. So it was, it, in a sense, it was a it was just one long ongoing series. Now, <laughs> well, I thought it was perfect because if you're going to settle the great debate on the Savalas triplets, then really. You come back to a time when you were speaking of that there was no smartphones. There was not even internet. This was, what, 1984, did you say? 86. 86. So you realize how far we've come, maybe not for totally for the better. I love the meme that says, you know, I thought it was a lack of information that was causing all the world's problems. And now we've got Google and the internet. Turns out that wasn't the issue. 
But you said that you mentioned the Pandora's box of social media. And as one of the people that are probably most balanced on a linear scale in my feed on Facebook, what's your advice when you started talking about that? Because I think it's a talent to be able to consistently, I'm not saying that, you know, we don't all fall off the wagon here and there, but to consistently be nice, be balanced, be cordial, you do a great job and you don't shy away from difficult topics. So I thought everyone can use a little 101, let John share his knowledge of how we do a little bit better on social media when it's messy. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm flattered by what you say. And I, um, I do try to have what I post on social media be balanced. I don't personally feel balanced at all, <laughs> which means that I, um, I spend a lot of time thinking, rethinking, and yelling into a pillow before I post anything <laughs> on social media. I feel but, like that's a great strategy, though. I mean, really, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I mean, just think about it, yell into a pillow about it, before you post, is, I mean, are you allowed to yell into a my pillow? Is that would that? <laughs> well, be? I, I think that has some political implications all by itself. So, that might uh, so any it, pillow, any pillow will do. Okay, well, I was just wanting to make sure we were, yeah. But in a, you know, when you think about who who you're going to offend and how you're going to offend them, and do you want to still be able to have dinner with that person? It might moderate some of what you say and how you say it. Absolutely. No, I just always enjoy it because I feel like. You, you're always, like you said, maybe it's after the scream in the pillow, but at the end of the day, it's always a safe place on John's page. Interestingly, I have a whole uh, composition book full of posts that I didn't make because of the job that I have. So, uh, <laughs> so one day, maybe one day. <laughs> oh, man. that's we know what his retirement plan is. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Thoughts from John. When, yeah. But as soon as John puts in his two-week notice, he's going to start ramping up and go, this is what you guys have been missing for the past, uh, what did you say it was, 24 years? 16 years 16 I've years. worked for the church, 24 I've attended. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and they call him a guest. And yeah. they call him. <laughs> yeah. He's the well, guest. you know, you don't want to be obtrusive. Well, you know? yeah, <laughs> no, you don't want to overstay your welcome for sure. Well, and, and this all kind of leads into the religious wars that resulted from and for many in the name of Martin Luther, which you went over in great gory detail when you stop and think about that. And I think we like to think of the Reformation and Luther and all of this was the awakening. This was the accessibility, all the good things that go with it. And your slides were in black and white. They were very dingy. They were very bloodthirsty of these 300 years of Christians killing other Christians. And I wonder in this messy middle, what wars are we waging that may be just as bloody in the long run or spiritually that maybe we don't even realize? Well, hmm. anybody want to go first? Um, it was your sermon, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's not hard. You, you talked about social media. Yeah. And it's it's not hard to look at social media now and see that we're all just bludgeoning each other. And it's not a shooting war. It's not a bloody war. But but one of the things that's in common with that is that we all want to speak and we all want to be heard, but none of us really want to hear. None of us want to really know what somebody else has to say. And I wouldn't say that I'm immune from that either. 
So, you know, while it's not violence, and I would say quickly, while it's not violence at the moment, because I think well. <laughs> it can be, and I mean, and, and occasionally it is on smaller scales, but I think we as, the, as humans have the capacity to go really dark really quick if we're not really careful. Even as Christians. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's interesting. Even as Christians, I think at times we, we find a real sense of needing to be validated. And so we create these coalitions. And now, with, like John was saying, with social media, we find our group. And then that's where we believe we're heard. I think what happens is we fail to become, like John has said, uh, like you said about John, I should say, is we fail to be courteous, kind, diplomatic, because we believe everybody's thinking the same way we are in this small echo chamber that we've kind of chosen. And I think that's not healthy for us. I think we do need to figure out ways in which we can express ourselves in other circles. And so if you're having a difficult time being open in in certain online circles, I would say find some other places where you can express (laughs) yourself. (laughs) Before they do it for you and you get put in Facebook jail, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, anyone who is not against you is for you. And And that sounded really good, right? I mean, usually we try to flip that the other way around. If you're not for us, you're against us. But how do you reconcile – it seems so easy to just put the – just slap the label on. Well, if you think that, then you're obviously against me when it could be just one little simple piece of the pie that is seemingly this great divide that we can't get across. And immediately it just seems like, well, pull the bridge out and let there be no crossing to this side because of this piece when I think in actuality – especially as Christians, there's so many, so many areas that we really do believe the same thing. We, we love Jesus the same in many, many ways. And those all just seem to get thrown to the wayside so quickly. And we just went through this great question series where things seem complicated and God maybe seemingly is a little dark around the edges sometimes and we don't quite understand it. We hear it. We find an explanation, but we're still not quite sure. How do we not only do it ourselves, but maybe offer that picture? Is it through actions, through words? Is it through scripture? How do we almost like hand the or just put the olive branch out there to someone to say, I don't really have it all figured out. And maybe this is a point we disagree on, but I'd really like to talk about all these things and see if there's maybe a way we can circle back after all that, and then maybe we could have a benefit of the doubt. I don't know how that, I don't know how that works, though. I'm not sure how it works either, except that, and I hope if there was one thing I communicated in the sermon, is that I don't have the answers. <laughs> I think that gives me a pass on, on pretty much everything here. But I think love really is the path forward. And I know it's certainly been true in my own life. I would guess it's true in, in other people's lives. If there are people close to you that you truly, truly love, truly respect, and, and people that you love more than you love yourself, then suddenly the things that they hold in opposition to you aren't as important as maybe somebody who I don't like, the thing that they hold in opposition to yeah. me. But I think we as humans do a couple of things, and especially in 
in religion. One is that we extrapolate too much information from one very small piece of information. And it's what you what you said. Okay, well, you disagree with me on this. Well, that means you must think this about that and that about that and that about that, which means you're not a Christian at all. And so we <laughs> have be. jumped eight steps down the line. And I think that the other thing that we do— and you see this in religion all the time, and I don't know how to get people to stop doing this other than to stop doing that, which is the thing that we hold in difference seems to be far more important than the thing that we hold in common. Hmm. And we do that all the time. Religions of every stripe. And I hesitate to bring something up because it'll be a hot button for anybody. But let's one one denomination baptizes through immersion, another baptizes through sprinkling. Okay, so one baptizes through immersion, one does in sprinkling. But you both love Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So what's important? The important thing is that you do baptism wrong. So how do we? frame the things that we dis and sometimes the things we disagree about are very very important yeah, but sure. how do we frame those so that we think about it a little bit before we give it more importance than it's worth and if you go back to the reformation you know we as as adventists and baptists come from a tradition known as as anna baptists which by the way most people at least baptists think that you're called Baptist because you believe in immersion? No, you're called Baptist because you do not believe in baptizing babies. Okay, and so there's a whole area of, of, of Protestants that believe in baptizing babies as a, as a part of the covenant, as the replacement covenant of circumcision Decision, yeah. is the way it's frequently thought about. But then others believe in baptism of adults when they have the ability to make the decision themselves. Protestants thousands and thousands of Protestants killed each other over that one issue. And, you know, now I can have lunch with a Presbyterian and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> well, how does it work then? And I don't want to throw a monkey wrench. Well, I do want to throw the monkey wrench in, I guess. But <laughs> the next person would say then, okay, but there are things that you just don't back down from, right? I mean, we have to speak truth and – Speak it in love, okay, and I'm not saying that always happens, obviously, but where does the point of standing up for what you truly believe in, you both love Jesus, you're both going by what the Bible says to your interpretation to the best of your ability through prayer and study, is there ever a point where you can't be friends because something is so important? I would say there's a vanishingly small list of those things for me. Okay. okay. Uh, um, so I would say to a certainty that if you had, had you talked to me 30 years ago, I would be able to give you a much longer list of <laughs> things about which you could not be wrong Guilty and is. still remain in <laughs> Christian fellowship with me. Guilty the, as charged, I believe. Yeah, me too. But a really good friend of mine once said, the older I get, the less I believe and the more strongly I believe it. And I find that to be really true for for me. So yeah. the, the answer to your question, are there some things about which we simply shouldn't back down? Maybe. I think it depends on what you consider backing down, right? It could. Okay. 
I mean, what 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 does it mean to back down? Does that mean to say that I don't, you know, you disagree with me on this point, I disagree with you, so one of us has to agree with before we can be friends again? Or does it mean that I'm not going to back down on what I believe, but I'm not going to also back away from my friendship with you? I believe what I believe, as John said in his sermon, you know, is there anybody here who doesn't? <laughs> believe you know doesn't believe something that they believe i mean i mean yeah. by by the essence of it you know you believe what you believe but i think the question becomes at what point do you no longer engage in relationship with somebody over what yeah and, and i think to john's point if we really want to go ahead and go down that road we have to really look at who jesus refused to engage in relationship with yeah, no, for sure. And you use John seventeen twenty one. Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And it seems like when you put in all and ever, I mean, that just puts everybody in commonality that are believers. Yet here we still are at times going like, well, you know, can't believe somebody couldn't understand that point or couldn't see this point, And it's so important in it. You know, we may believe it's Salvonic in nature and maybe them not so much. Or there's so many things that we get hung up on. And yet it's that's a verse that I had not probably read. I've been in the Old Testament for a long time in the plans I'm on. And, and I missed the New Testament. I need to do a better job of sprinkling that in. But that one really spoke to me when you said it during the message. And it's kind of been stuck in my head ever since that to start looking through some of the conversations that I've had since then, even though they haven't been like a great number. It's only been a couple of days. But some things have happened in the last couple of days to friends of mine and different people who are facing huge challenges kind of in this same arena where it's just a belief. It's not something that you would necessarily – like a hill you'd have to die on. And it was an opinion. And then all of a sudden life changes drastically and – Immediately, you know, as a friend, you go, you know, I, I feel bad. I want to do something. I want to I want to be angry about the situation. And yet it's so counterproductive when we're talking about it because it just adds to the mess when really Jesus is praying for even us now who will ever believe in me. And that just really struck me this week as something that is one of those verses to just hold on to and constantly have it the ready. So I just wanted to say that was – it was brilliant the way you used it in the message, and it really did stick with me. And I, I think it's uh, something that we should have because even though it doesn't – I don't know. It doesn't make it any easier for me. I don't know about anyone else. But it does calm it if you take a little bit of time, like you said, maybe scream into the pillow a couple minutes and then, and then think about that. I'm glad you picked that verse because I'll, I'll say – Intellectually, when I read the Bible, I intellectualize that it is God's message for everybody, but it's also God's message for me. For me, right, yeah. But on an emotional level, I don't always connect with that. Emotionally, a lot of times the Bible feels like history, feels like a, a systematic theology book, which you know is not exactly <laughs> what, what it is. But when I read, when I read that passage— it hits me emotionally because I feel like Jesus is speaking to me now. Now, right. No, that's and, exactly— And it just feels very, very current. And when he's praying to his Father that we would all be one as they are one, and I'm sitting there saying, 
there's nobody who I'm one with to to the degree that what he that he's praying that prayer. And so it has to place some humility into your own heart. And that you know that along with realizing that as brilliant as I think I am, I finally came to understand that nobody else thinks I'm as smart as I am. And for the most part people don't people aren't looking for me to to me for the answers to all wisdom. So when I realized that love never fails. When I treat somebody with kindness and love, it doesn't come back empty. But when I impose my wisdom on people, wisdom's in air quotes here. When when I impose my wisdom on people who didn't want, didn't want it, didn't ask for it, and don't agree with it, that's true. It's not accomplishing that much. But if I love them, it just doesn't come back empty. If you want real wisdom, sit next to the fire with Mister Monday for an hour. I found it to be. Very informative. I think that one of the <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the issues that we all uh, run into is that we want to be the hero of the story. And I think it's Donald Miller wrote a great book called "The Building a Story Brand," and in it he was talking about he was speaking to people who are trying to do advertising. But I think it's very applicable to what we're talking about today. And he was talking about how a lot of time advertisers try to make their product the hero, but when you actually look at the effect of advertising. It's the advertisers that look at the person, the consumer, and make them the hero in their product, what helps that person become a hero or be a hero. And he calls it being a wise guide. Um, And so he said, what people are looking for is a wise guide. They're not looking for a hero to save them. They're looking for a wise guide to come walk alongside of them and help them in their journey and where they're headed. And I think too often as Christians, we try to be the hero in other people's story rather than coming alongside and being a wise guide. And one of the things, if you think about any movie or storybook, what happens in those storybooks and those movies? The wise guide comes alongside the hero, and the hero will often reject the wise guide's advice. They'll go on their own path. They'll go down. You know, I mean, we can think of some classic movies, Star Wars. You can think about Yoda and and the person rejects that, but the point is the wise guide, the the good wise guide stays around and is available when the hero is ready for whatever it is. And I think that's kind of something that we ought to think about a little bit more in Christianity. You know, I feel very strongly about the Seventh-day Sabbath. I am a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, so probably I would feel that way about it, right? Probably more than well over 15 or, or so years, maybe 20 years ago— yeah, probably about 20 years ago at this point, we did Bible studies with some friends, and uh, we would do Friday evenings together, and these friends come from a different faith background. We studied the Sabbath with them, just didn't see it. We've, we studied with them again, just didn't agree with it. I'm proud to say those are these are people that I will still stop when we are in their area of the country. We'll stop. We'll spend time with them, and not with the expectation of that I'm finally eventually going to get through, but because they're my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I love them. I trust that their relationship with God is strong, and that God is doing in their lives what He needs to be doing in His time, in His way. And my job is just to be me, to share what I believe to be truth, and be okay with it if that's not what they perceived to be truth. I think it's also worth pointing out in the discussion about Martin Luther, Martin Luther didn't leave the Catholic Church. He was excommunicated from the Catholic right, yeah, Church. He didn't have a choice. All he was trying to do is say, hey, let's let's make some changes to make this better than what it is. And when that was rejected, 
then that, then something else happened. And to John's point, it wasn't he did not condone at least at first the violence that that came out of that. But I think that what sometimes get gets missed is so many times we'll be like, oh, you don't you don't agree with me? I'm I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. That's that's not Martin Luther's example. That's not even Jesus Christ's example. Yeah. Um, he didn't say, well, I'm out of here. I mean, he was crucified. There's a lot of 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 thought that we ought to put in before we start writing out relationships with people. I'm a big believer in truth. I think there is absolute truth out there. I'd like to think that I, I have some idea of what it is, but I also, again, the older I'm getting, the more I, I there's things that I, I thought that I was really 100% sure about. I, I'll give you an example. I was very 100% sure that if a pastor had a, a school attached to his church, that his children should go there. And then I had some kid, my kids that were at a school that they didn't didn't fit, wasn't good for them. I, I had a, I have a different opinion today. <laughs> of it now, yeah. But I was sure yeah. about it before. Yeah, I was sure about it before. I I think a, a point that Ken makes also is a beautiful point, beautifully made point about God and about Christ and the way that He deals with us. So often we, especially evangelicals, and I'll let you decide if you're an evangelical <laughs> or not, but. Evangelicals, I know I was taught as a child, establish relationships with people so that you can do this. And then the idea behind that was that, you know, you establish a relationship so that you can tell them the truth. They reject the truth. You reject them. You move on to the next person person so that you can establish a relationship. (laughs) And then it makes the relationships feel very inauthentic. From the get-go. They're agenda-driven. I struggled with that for a long time, and then I realized that Christ came here because he loved us so much and he wanted to be with us. And he—I mean, just in his day-to-day walk around the earth, as well as what I believe is the theology and the relationship of who Jesus is, he didn't come here, say, thus saith Jesus, who agrees, who doesn't, okay— I'm done dealing with you. I'm not your friend anymore. No, I I think that he came because he loves us and he continues to love us because that's what authentic relationship is. Yeah, I agree. And I loved how after you ended the John 17, 21, you ended with this passage tells me that if you call on the name of, of Christ, then to me, you are a brother, a sister, period, full stop. And I'm like, there's another one that's just a good reminder that no matter what those differences are, I don't think we do – we don't do ourselves. We don't do them. We don't do those relationships any kind of Christ-like treatment by doing anything other than that. And then if people look at us as Christians and go, well, these guys can't even get along. Why do I want to join? Because if I join – or if I become one of these people and I, I bring in this belief system, I'm still going to be at odds with everyone. This isn't going to bring me the 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 core group or the community of love and acceptance that I hear about, but I certainly don't see it. So I think it's it's paramount that we somehow get this right. And you followed that with the story of Job. And we, I don't want to dig too far deep because that's a whole other podcast all in itself. But I think we – can get a little bit shocked, maybe a little a little bit holier than thou when we think of Job's friends speaking on behalf <laughs> of God. 
And it made me think of something I had read recently that made the point that taking the Lord's name in vain is less about using bad words and more about speaking bad intentions, bad theology, our own truths and our own preferences, and a lack of love. Every bit as it is as much as what we were taught growing up, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And it doesn't really put us on any better ground. And so when you when you see that and it's really, I think, what we're doing. We're co-opting God and saying, well, this is well, duh, this is what God meant. I mean, it's plain to see. Any fool could see that, right? Because this is what I believe. And I just think that maybe that verse of don't take the, <laughs> the, the commandment, maybe that's a little bit more pointed toward our attitude towards each other than it is about some of the words that not, – I'm not condoning that, but I think maybe it was maybe pointed a little bit more in that direction. And I just thought it was very interesting the way you wove that story into it. And uh, it made it even that much more meaningful. At least it did for me because I love the story of Job, whether it's a true story, allegory, depending who you talk to. I, I kind of like it either way. So what's the one thing that if there was, you know, that we just we absolutely want people to take away from this whole conversation in your message? Well, I think it's just one word and it's love. Uh, just um, love. It's love as you have been loved. Christ came and he loved us and we love each other. And I would rapidly say that it's not that Christ came and loved us, so now grit your teeth and love each other. <laughs> I hope that's oh, not no. what it is. Now we have to be we have to like it too. But I think that, that sometimes it can be used as a, a bit of a, a a barometer in there. Christ came and he loved me, and I am transformed by his love. And if I am not in that desirous to love my neighbor, then there might be a part of me that I need to let Christ have better access to. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Now that hurts a little bit right there, <laughs> I think. Jeff? You know, we started this conversation with the idea of social media and, and all of those pieces, but I think to to move into the air arena of saying, what is, you know, what is my tribe think? Because that's usually where we go. We want to find a place to be loved. We want to find a place to be accepted. We want to find a place to belong. And here Jesus, and and I like that with what John had pointed out in the sermon, was this is who you belong to. I am your brother. I am your sister. I am your family. And so I think what he's helping us all understand is, is abide in me, that's where you're going to find love. That way you can share that with whatever tribe, and you don't have to find your belonging identity in a group that you have to protect, because that's usually where we go. We protect those places where we find our our highest belonging, so to speak, because we don't want to be left out in the, you know, in the cold. We don't want to be left out of this group. So he's, I think he's pointing a kind of a journey for us to rather than you know make a fortress with our group that we create this pathway that that we can continue to move together with God as our guide as much like what uh, that's a lonely place can, to be sometimes too Jeff it is you're absolutely right but that's why he does correct Peter who tries to protect him with the sword and he said you know he says that's not how that's not how we're going to live in our kingdom yeah, and and here goes there goes Peter, there goes the rest <laughs> of the disciples. They all run because it is lonely yeah. until they find out who they really belong to. 
that should be the the core belief that we have in common that we we should be able to find rest in with at least anyone that believes in just that one piece of it because the more you add on to it past that that's where we start running into the other things well yeah i love jesus but you know we we then disagree on so many other things if we can make it more about that it's probably a place we're going to find that we fit in quite mo- a lot easier i would think that's yeah all right. All right. Well, we didn't have any questions from the Q&A this past week. We answered them all. John answered them all. And he actually did a <laughs> – he, he, uh, yeah, they got to each one of them, and they did a great job. So, again, the – I believe it's second service that got archived into the podcast. So you will at least catch those questions if you want to catch those. And you can go online to the website and – I'm not sure which one is there, so you might be able to find first service as well. This week, one of our whole life reflections asked, are you comfortable with believing that some of your personal doctrines might be wrong? And I'll go back to what John said earlier. If you'd asked me this 30 years ago, I would have had a completely different answer than I do today. (laughs) And I just think that uh, for the most part, most things don't bother me anymore. You can believe what you believe. I can believe what I believe. And I'd rather still be friends with you than argue about it. For, or I like to have, like you said, I love to have conversations, you know, meet me around the fire pit or a cup of coffee and I'll talk to you all day long about doctrine and and uh, find where we differ. Those things can be fun as long as we can have fun doing them. But at the end of the day, I can walk away no matter what you think. And if as long as we're going to sit by the fire pit and have a cup of coffee next time, I'll still be pretty happy. So anyway, what do you think? Let us know. Voicemail or text 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And our final thoughts are from John's message. He said, a wise counselor once said to me, maybe your understanding is right or maybe it's wrong. And I don't know why suffering and separation happens. But maybe what God is offering us is the opportunity to sit with each other in the pain and confusion and ambiguity and just love. That makes it sound kind of easy, doesn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> he might just be right, but I guess we'll never know until we get to heaven, right? For sure. But sounds good to me. Next week, uh, it's Love Is. Is that is that correct? Is that a series? It's is the that series. A, that's the seri- a series. A new series of sermons is beginning of 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, I mean, yeah, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 are going to be our our text for the next several weeks, I think maybe seven or eight weeks, where we're going to go through and absolutely dissect, dissect? I don't know. Dissect? Dissect, whatever. <laughs> you uh, where you come just from, edited in the right one there, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to really take apart that text and really dig into what God's love looks like. I think that one of the biggest confusions in our society today is what love is, because in English, we're so limited with that word. Um, we are, or I guess maybe even the other word is expansive. We we love our pets. We love our children. We love pizza. We love our wife or our husband or whatever. You're on a good list. Keep other. going. So, yeah, you're on a good list. So there's a lot of different <laughs> things to love, but not all those loves are exactly the same or or, or should look the same. And so I think that's where it's going to be important. I, I think it's really important. I know I've done a series of sermons on our values, but I plan on over the next 37 years doing a series of sermons on um, each one of our values that, that's actually more lengthy than a one-sermon treatment. And so I think that love is the core value that we need to be thinking about right now. It's the most important, and so we're really going to take it apart and see what God thinks love is and what it looks like. Now, the two words it says is patient and kind. Patient and kind, they're conjoined twins, as you'll hear in the sermon. Oh, no. 
Yeah. So in order to be kind, you have to be patient and vice versa. Mm. Oh, boy. All right. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Uh, you know what we're up against next week. So if you're not patient or kind, I'd work on it this week because you're probably going <laughs> to probably gonna feel bad or something by the time it's all done. But no, we'll, we'll dissect by it. By the time it's all done, you'll know the same thing you always know, that only Jesus can do these things in us. And then and it's, we all fall very short. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's what Jesus is for. But we'll be better prepared to do it better or at least give ourselves a few more tools in the belt, right? Yeah, I can't wait because I think that is such an incredibly – that is a deep well of so much to learn in that passage that we usually just use it as a uh, trite thing to quote at weddings. And I think yeah. it is so much more than that. And we could all use a little bit more if we're honest. So we'll be looking forward to that next week. So – one more time, check out Speaking of Grace if you missed this week's message, because John is our superstar. He still has the most listened to episode ever in five five plus years of our podcast. Thanks again. There Mom. you go. Thanks again. There you Mom. go. I guess we'll find out whether that happens with this podcast. Yeah, you never know. Last That's a lot of pressure. Will, will really. you're on your mom? <laughs> yeah. I'm one more way to see now. her when I leave here. I feel <laughs> like if your mom's listening, I know my mom's listening. That this should this should skyrocket. So, yeah, and so. if you uh, if you'd like to make a donation to the uh, multiple devices that John's mom needs to continually uh, make her listens count, you can send that to podcast at wholelife.church. We'll get you hooked up with how to uh, put that in your envelope next week. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you, John, for being here and for a great message. We appreciate you taking the time out. And we'll see you all next week. Have a fantastic rest of your week.